0: Hello and welcome to In the Studio with Anne podcast. This is Anne and as always, thank you for listening. So whether you are listening for the first time or you've come back for more, I'm glad you're here because today I want to do the chapter five in the five love languages of children and we're going to talk today about the fourth love language which is gifts And as I'm reading through it myself, again, this is the second time I've read this book. I'm going to be sharing some things with you as I go, and they're all good. But this specific one kind of touches home for me with a situation in my marriage, and now I'm revisiting it with my kids. Um, So for me, it was a very interesting, kind of complex chapter. So it mentions that the giving and receiving of gifts can be a powerful expression of love and the time that are given and often extended into later years the most meaningful gifts become symbols of love and those that truly convey love are part of a love language yet for parents to truly speak love language number 4 which is gifts to a child <clears throat> they must the child must feel that his parents genuinely care For this reason, the other love languages must be given along with the gift. The child's emotional love tank needs to be kept filled in order for the gift to express a heartfelt love. This means that parents will use a combination of physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time and service to keep the love tank full. So that was interesting to me because It's saying how you have to use a combination of all of them, and it talks about a mother talking about her two daughters, Mallory, who's six, and Meredith, who's eight, and that oftentimes when they would go on trips away, they'd buy something for the girls, but that her daughter Meredith was always much more excited about the gifts than Mallory. Talking about them as soon as we got home, she jumps up and down in excitement as we take out the presents. And with ooze and osh, as she opens the gift, then she finds a special nook in her room for it. Wants to wants us to see where she puts it. And then when her friends come over, she's always showing them her latest gift. But in contrast, while Mallory is polite and appreciates the gifts from her parents, she is more excited to learn about the trip. Mallory comes to us to hear every detail of our trip. She talks to us separately and then together and seems to drink up everything we tell her. But their other daughter who prefers the gifts has few questions to ask. So she's realizing that when they were going over this information that they were keeping in mind that Now she doesn't feel hurt when Mallory doesn't get as excited as Meredith because she realizes that that was because gifts were that one daughter's love language and it wasn't the other daughter's love language. Now I understand that our conversations meant more to Mallory, what the gift means to Meredith. So both my husband and I are making an effort to give Mallory more, more quality time after the trip. And then they can focus on the gifts with the other daughter. Um, So that's very interesting to me because I think it reiterates the fact that not all our children are going to be the same. And that's a trap we kind of fall into as parents that we kind of want to treat them the same because it's easier in a way, but they're not. And so it becomes so much more complex, especially the more children that you have. Or especially if you have twins I think this falls into a category that I've learned from a lot of parents that have twins that it's hard for them to differentiate I remember having a really good friend who was an identical twin and I don't even think this matters so much whether they're identical or not but she had an identical twin sister and she shared a lot of stuff with me throughout our friendship in that time that Made me understand sort of where she is now as an adult. And when she went through her own therapy as an adult, she realized that a lot of that tracked back to things from when she was a twin. And that for a little while, you know, she didn't have her own identity. And so I think that it's hard, especially though, for those parents and her understanding for her mother that, you know, for so long you kind of just. Get them all the same things, and they're just almost like one person because they came at the same time. So that can happen to us, whether we have twins or whether we have just multiple children that are close in age, or even if they're not, you just tend to. I think I've fallen into this, especially when I had Lucas, that they're this, they're you know, I'll just do what I did with Haley in order to be fine, and it was the farthest thing from fine. This also resonates with me because this is something that my husband used to do to me all the time. He would love to give me gifts and surprises with the gift. And he was doing that more so because I think that is more something he likes and that's his maybe love language and that was his way of showing love. But to me, he was always very let down and never felt that I loved him or and I also never felt that I was loved Because that's not my love language. So I was like this other daughter. And I was like, eh, okay. That's cool. And it just never really was like the response he wanted. Like, oh my gosh, I just got you this like amazing gift that he was so excited about. Almost like fantasizing of how he would feel if he received it. And then he didn't get the same response. Because the other thing that my husband loves that I think maybe he would like more of. Not sure. But he loves to surprise people. And especially me, but I hate surprises. So he would be so disappointed when he would surprise me with a gift and then I would be responding to him like, uh, okay. I remember one in particular time was, I, th- I believe it was our fifth anniversary and we did not get a honeymoon because we were young when we got married and we had to pay for our own wedding and it was just really a financially tight time and we just did not, we bought a house instead and so we didn't have a honeymoon. So five years into our marriage, he put together this elaborate surprise gift for me and planned a trip to um, um, a sandals resort in St. Lucia. And I mean, it took so much time and energy and money and planning and saving. And all of this. And I remember when he gave this gift to me, I was more than anything, I wasn't even like happy about it. I was just like, wait a minute. He just did all of this behind my back and I did not know. And so instead of being, and then I was like, oh my gosh, you just spent all this money without even talking to me. And when are we going and what is going on? And I just felt blindsided because of you know, that's my issue with surprises. Um, and so I feel really bad because to this day, that's something that he, we talk about that my response to that gift was not good. I kind of put the gift aside and was like asking him a ton of questions and almost like interrogating him. So this is what can happen when you try to give someone a gift. A, something that's not their love language, and you can you can feel then that, you know they like these parents said that they thought their daughter was just being unappreciative, and that wasn't at all what it was. it was just that you know that's just not her love language, it wasn't my love language, so it's a little example that maybe if something like that's happening um it, that might be what's going on because I remember when I read the the love languages for marriage that's when this all started to make sense. But it didn't at the time. And for years, that was kind of a little bit of a... Like we can laugh about it now, but it wasn't uh, the happiest of times, let's just say. But moving on to the gifts in this chapter, it says the same distinction can be made in parental giving to children when parents offer a gift to the child will be his clean room, this is not a true gift but payment for service rendered. When a parent promises an ice cream cone to a child if he will watch TV for the next half an hour, the cone is not a gift but a bribe designed to manipulate the child's behavior. While the child may not know the words paycheck or pay back or bribe, he understands the concept. At times, parents who have every intention of offering a true gift may be sending confused messages if they ignore the child's deep emotional need for love. In fact, a child who doesn't feel truly loved can easily misinterpret a gift, thinking it is conditional, conditionally given. One mother, under great stress and at odds with her son, gave in with a new baseball. Later, she found it in the toilet. She says, Jason, what's the ball doing here? Don't you like it? Sorry was Jason's only reply. The next day, she found the ball in the garage can. Again, she was talking to him. Looking down, saying, I'm sorry. Later, mom learned to concentrate on keeping Jason's emotional tank full, especially at bedtime. Soon, she began to notice a change. In a few weeks, she gave him a baseball bat. And this time, he hugged her and said with a smile, thanks, mom. Jason is typical of compliant child. Who has an empty emotional tank and these children seldom show their pain and their needs openly, but display their feelings in indirect ways. The disposing of or ignoring of gifts is a simple classic example of this type of child needing filled up. So um, this is an interesting thing where she is saying that, you know, when she's giving him gifts, he's feeling unloved or upset about something. So he's disposing of the gift. So when, you know, she notices a change in him, you know, she needs to remember that maybe that's something she needs to look into. So I think that's interesting to remember that these are little clues and little signs that we're given in each chapter to look for in our children that could be little clues for what, the love languages or maybe what's missing and I think that's really interesting um, that oftentimes we can be seeing things but we don't really know what they are but they are those little clues that we need to be aware of and that's why I think this book is one that is so interesting and one that I want to definitely keep out that I constantly grab and reference. Because it's one that you could say, wait a minute, am I seeing a little clue? And then you go back into the chapter and kind of look and see like, oh, you know what? I think that might be what this this child's trying to tell me. Um, it talks about making the most of giving. The grace of giving has little to do with the size and cost of the gift. It is everything to do with love. So maybe you remember a grandparent who told you about receiving an orange plus a necessary Necessary item of clothing on one harsh Christmas due to depression. Today, we parents don't always think of necessities as gifts, but as items we must supply for our children. And yet we often give these items with loving hearts for a sincere benefit of our children. Let's celebrate such gifts. If we do not present gifts as expressions of love, children may learn to receive them as what is to be expected and not recognize the love behind the gift. Here's a suggestion to help a common gift become an expression of love. Take time to wrap up your new school clothes and then present them when the family is gathered around the dinner table. Unwrapping a present provides an emotional throw for a child and you can demonstrate that every gift, whether a necessity or a luxury, is an expression of your love. Such celebration of all gifts will teach your children how to respond to others who give them presents. As you give them with grace, you want them to respond with grace rather than gift, whether the gift is large or small. One warning is buying your children toys as gifts. In a toy department, you need to be wise. The sheer volume of items available means that you must be very selective. The volume is compounded by television ads and the parade, the latest toys before the eyes of children, thus creating desire that need not exist 60 seconds before and may be gone by the next day. But in the meantime, many children are sure they must have that toy they just saw on the screen. So do not let advertisers determine what you buy for your children. Examine toys closely, asking yourself questions such as what message does this toy communicate to my child? Is it a message with which I'm comfortable? What might my child learn from playing with this toy? Will its overall effect tend to be positive or negative and how durable is the toy? What is its normal lifespan and does it have a limited apparel? Or will my child turn to it again and again? Is this a toy we can afford? Never buy a non-essential toy if you can't avoid it. So not every toy needs to be educational, but they all serve some positive purpose in the life of your child. So beware of buying high-tech computerized toys that may expose your child to a value far removed from those of your family. They will get enough of this on television from the neighbors and from the friends at school. So when giving can be abused, it says be careful it's often tempting to shower children with gifts as substitutes for other love languages. For many reasons, parents sometimes report to Resort to presence rather than being truly present in their children's lives. For some who grew up in unhealthy families, a gift seems easier to give than emotional involvement. Others may not have the time, patience, or knowledge to know how to give their children what they genuinely need. They truly love their children but seem unaware of how to provide the emotional security and sense of worth that they need. So I think that's an important thing to remember. It says abusive gift-giving can occur when a child is living with a... Custial, custodial parent following a separation or divorce and the non-custodial parent is often temp- tempted to shower the child with gifts perhaps from the pain of separation of feelings of guilt of relieving the family things like that so um Guidelines for giving as your child. As you give to your child, you need to keep some guidelines in mind. Gifts should be genuine expressions of love. If they're payment for services rendered or bribery, you should not call them gifts, but should acknowledge them for what they are. This way, the true gifts selected for the benefit of your child and as an expression of love can be enjoyed for what they are, except for Christmas and birthdays. Many gifts should be chosen. By both you and your children, this is particularly true as your child grows and has more opinions about their clothes, shoes, backpacks, etc. Your children also have desires about their non-essential toys, and while you can't give them everything they want, you will want to consider their preferences. This involves discerning whether the desire is moni- momentarily or lasting, healthy or unhealthy, and whether the toy will be positive or negative effect. Whenever you can, it is wise to select a gift that a child truly wants. And remember that not all gifts come from a store. You may find a special gift as you walk down a winding road or even across a parking lot. Wildflowers, unusual stones, even driftwood can qualify as gifts when unwrapped and presented in a creative manner. Gifts can also be made out of household items. Young children have no concept of money, and whether a gift is made or purchased is a little consequence. So I think that this is a really good reminder of the difference between bribing your children because, let's be honest, we all do that. As much as I don't like it, um, I do do it. Something to remember with that as well that I've noticed with my kids is if you are going to bribe them with something and say, if you do this, I'll give you this, follow through with that. Certain children um, will be very set off if you don't do that and your word will mean nothing to them. And I know that my son is very much this way. And there was a specific family member that when he was young, she would get so frustrated with his tantrums. But I would explain to her that the tantrum is being brought on by her because, you know, she's telling him, well, if you do this, I'll give you this and you can do this, which you knew she wasn't going to do. She was just telling him what he wanted to get him to do what she wanted. And then when it was time for her to give him what he wanted, she didn't want to do that. And this would set him off. And I would say, don't do that. I remember there was one particular time when I was in the hospital having my one other child, and she was with the children, and he didn't want to leave the hospital. Because obviously his mom, he was very young. He was two. His mommy's in the hospital. He was throwing a little bit of an f- expression of feelings, I should say, not throwing a fit, expressing his feelings that he didn't want to leave. And she was like, well, if you just come with me, I'll let you watch such and shut on TV when we get home. And I knew she wasn't going to do that. And I said, well, no, he really needs to go to bed. I don't really want him watching TV. And she's like, oh, I know that. I'm not going to do that. I'm just telling him that so that he does what I want right now. And I said, well, you can't do that. Because then when you get home with him, he's going to be really upset. And he is not going to want to go to bed. So even though it's harder for you now, you need to take the time to explain to him what is going to happen when he gets home and why he does need to leave and that we understand why he doesn't want to. But the thing is, that's that wasn't her parenting philosophy and that wasn't what she knew and she wasn't willing to want to learn a new way. So it was a constant battle. But you need to understand that because it's very easy to fall into that. And, and even I have, this is how I discovered that from the very beginning was to say, I think that when we tell him you know, we're going to do something or for any of our kids, we can't be only thinking about what we want to get out of it. We need to think about if we promise something, we we give that. So if we can't give them what we promise, then don't promise it at all. Um, so I think that that goes along with the bribery and knowing that you're letting that child know that is a bribe, that they get something for doing something, but that's not a gift. Um, and so it does say that when your child's primary love language is receiving gifts most children respond positively to gifts but for some receiving gifts is their primary love language so you might be inclined to think that this is so for all children judging from the way they beg for things that this is everybody's every child's love language but it's true that all children and adults want to have more and more but those who language of is the love language of receiving gifts they will respond differently when they're given that gift childhood primarily have the love language of receiving gifts will always make much of receiving a gift they will want the present to be wrapped or at least given in a unique and creative way this is all part of the love expression they will look at the paper they'll maybe talk about the bow often they will ooh and ah and they'll often open the gift it will seem like a really big deal they are feeling very special as they open the present and they want their undivided your undivided attention as they do so so remember for them that this love's loudest voice they see the gift as an extension of you and your love and they want to share this moment with you once they've opened the gift they will hug you and thank you profusely so I I am thinking as I read this of my daughter my oldest daughter (coughs) because she does this she kind of obsesses about wrapping things up and you know the paper and way it looks and definitely the surprises and like for her birthday, you know, she would talk about the gifts a week or so before and just like, I wonder what I'm going to get. I wonder how it's going to be wrapped and saying how, you know, even her cake is an ex- is a gift, you know, like it's just all about her cake and, you know, saying she wants it to be a surprise and, oh, I'll tell you like what I like, but then I want you to surprise me. And to be honest, I minimized her birthday this year when she turned seven because I in a way was like, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Cause it's not my love language. And I was like, I don't want her to be like this where she just wants this like big, all these elaborate stuff every birthday. I mean, it's just seven and trying to keep her with perspective. But now that I'm reading this, I'm realizing that next year I need to over, like I need to be looking into this because that's her potentially her love language now that I'm realizing this. So, you know, doing that is showing them love. And again, you don't have to make these gifts so big and elaborate. And I was thinking like, oh, she ever wants his stuff and da up. Da, da. But really, I could pick her, I could make her a bouquet and wrap some pretty um, ribbon around it and get it from the yard. I could draw her a picture. I could do anything as simple from around the house and make it pretty and wrap it up, and she would absolutely adore it. So, it's a great lesson in the fact that it doesn't always have to be some expensive, fancy gadget, or we don't have to go to Target for it. I think that, you know, the season we're in right now with being at home has actually been kind of eye opening in a lot of ways, and one of which is just finding simple things to be, you know, me more in all of them, you know, realizing that. It doesn't have to be from a store. So... At the end here, I wanna just close with, if your child's love language is gifts, and just talk about a few highlighted things that they have. They have many bullet points that you'll wanna look at in the, the back of the chapter, but the first couple are keep a small collection of inexpensive gifts packed away for your child, then give them one at a time as you sense there is a need. Select presents that fit the interests of your child, carry snacks or small candies you can give out as a treat when away from home, make a meal you know your child likes go to a special restaurant or make their favorite dessert Um, be on the lookout for personalized gift with your child's name on them save them for rainy days or difficult days as an encouraging surprise Um, create a treasure hunt for a gift that includes a map and a clues along the way with the main surprise Um, Instead of spending money on a larger gift for birthday, host a birthday party at a special event location. Um, For young children, find nature gifts such as wildflowers or interesting stones. Wrap them in a special box or paper. And let's see if there's any one other one that I want to give personally made coupons for your child good for some of their favorites such as free spaghetti dinner an extra half hour of time with you before bedtime or a small gift next time you are shopping together i love that idea i'm gonna do that right now after this to um give because i think that's just a really cool idea so again i hope you find value in this book because i really think that referencing this from time to time can really just be such an eye-opener in ways that we can just shift our focus a little bit maybe see those little clues that we're just so busy and we don't really look to see as clues um the back like i said many more bullet points of fun ideas that are specific to really engaging with that specific love language because i think When your child is going through something, and I know I've mentioned this in other podcasts through this series, is that we want to make sure we're maximizing our time and we want to make sure that we are giving their specific love language so that we can fill that tank faster. Because just like an example in this chapter was... But if you're giving the wrong thing, if you're giving a gift to someone whose love language is not gifts, it's not really going to fill it too much. No, they'll be like, oh, cool. Yeah, mom and dad got me a gift. But it's not really going to be like the response that you're looking for. And then you can both end up feeling kind of bad walking away from it. So we're looking to maximize the love between parent and child and really fill that bond on both ends and So I'm excited for the next chapter, chapter six, which is love language number five, Acts of Service. So if you've been following this series, thank you. If this is the first time you have listened, I welcome you as well. You can go back and check out the other chapters. They should be in my podcast. And until next time, this is In the Studio with Anne podcast, and this is Anne.